So how many of you um, how many of you have enough cash sitting around that you're able to use it for just menial? Nobody? nobody? <laughs> what a shocker. How many of you, when you look back at your bank account every so often and you realize what you've done with it, feel like you've used your cash in that kind of manner? Anybody? <laughs> yes. Listen, it's amazing. It's amazing sometimes. I was talking with Brad this morning. It's amazing how sometimes a little thing will cause you to kind of just realize like, oh my goodness, I'm wasting a lot of money. And this morning, um, 30 cents, 30 cents caused something to trigger in me that I'm like, oh my goodness, this is such a waste of money. Now, in and of itself, 30 cents is not a waste of money. But every Sunday morning, <clears throat> I come in early, get here about 7.30, and I usually have one of my boys with me. And one of our, our traditions is, is that on the way in, we go to Starbucks and we get, I get a mocha and I get a kid's hot chocolate for whichever child is with me. And it's kind of our thing. And so for like two years now, I've come around the window and, you know, it's going to $5.99. I'm like, oh, that's a little expensive, but you know, it's a once a week tradition. My boys are going to remember like getting up early and going with me and doing this. It's going to be great. Okay. $5.99. Well, about a month ago, I went and I placed the order and I come around and it said 6.35. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, 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 what's all this money? Right, I had no issue dropping five ninety nine every week, but as soon as you add an extra thirty something cents to it, all of a sudden I'm like, "This is just ridiculous." Who do you think you are? What is happening here? And so I was so listen. I, one of the things that is my personal weakness, and I know you guys love it when I talk about my personal weaknesses. Here you go. One of it is is that whenever I feel something's not right, it's hard for me to not say something. Right, and so a lot of times, um, you know, I feel a lot of people in vehicles around me are not right, and I feel the need to say something. Now, in my personal, some of you may leave the church after I say this next thing, <laughs> but sometimes you wanna say something to somebody, but they can't hear you in another car, so what are you left with? Signal. Hand signals. <laughs> I'm not proud. But every once in a while. And so, of course, as soon as I come through and I hear the, I hear like, okay, all of a sudden, whoo, I'm spending over $6. This is ridiculous. Like, this is a kid's hot chocolate, you know, kind of. So I'm like, oh, no, no, no. What's the breakdown here? How much are mochas now? No, wait, wait. How much are the kids? You raised the kids hot chocolate, 25 cents. How dare, you know, and I just got to get, uh, and it's not that poor person's fault taking my order. There's <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and it's just terrible. But it, it's weird that like, it's weird how we can categorize ourselves sometimes and make ourselves think like, oh no, I'm not spending a lot of money here. I'm not wasting money here. This is a reasonable thing. But all it takes is just a little bit to make you realize like, oh, no, that's a pretty unreasonable thing. Now, some of you, a weekly Starbucks may not be unreasonable at all, but it's just those types of things. And some of you may have had those types of things where at one point in life you felt like, no, this is a completely justified expense. And then at another point, nah, not a justified expense. Now, I will say that this morning, I expected there to be kind of a small crowd. And it's not so small. That, like sometimes when I was growing up, there would be a small crowd at church. And so the pastor, which was my dad, he didn't want to feel like he was talking to an empty room. So he would be like, why don't everybody 
let's come into the center, right? Anybody ever been in a service where you've been gathered to the center? Yeah, yeah, that's because nobody showed up and you, the person talking doesn't want to feel like they're talking to nobody. And so I was, I was honestly expecting a let's gather to the center um, this morning kind of service, but I'm proud, I'm proud. There's not enough seats in the center for all of us. So that's good. But I was expecting it. And I was telling myself, it's going to be because of St. Patrick's Day. Right? Everybody's out having a good time and just, mm, you just want to kind of, you're tired. You want to sleep this morning. But really, really, I thought, mm, I'm going to tell myself it's St. Patrick's Day. But it's probably because I started talking about money last week. And everybody knew I was going to still be talking about money this week. And so mm, St. Patrick's Day is a really good excuse to skip the next money sermon. So I'm proud of all of you for being here. If you didn't know and you're getting shocked, you're talking about money. mm, Sorry about your luck. Um, But here we go. We started. How is that for an introduction? None of that is in the notes. You still got all the notes to go. Get ready. Um, No, we started last week and... um, we, I, I started out pretty much by saying something offensive, and that was is that I wanted to teach you how to be generous. And that's offensive because as soon as somebody tells you that you're not something, you automatically think about like all the times you did something. You're like, nope, you're wrong. I did it here. I did it here. I did it here. And so we automatically, if somebody tells you or implies that you're not a generous person, you automatically start thinking like, no, I gave to this and I gave to this and I gave to that. And well, if you didn't like it, I won't give to your next thing. You know, and there's that, and that's, that's natural. Um, but just giving is not what I'm talking about because all of us, we've had moments where we've given and some of us are pretty darn good givers. Um, but giving is doing something. And I'm not talking about doing something. I, I want to teach you to be generous and and that's how to be something. That's different from an action. We, we talked about the random acts of giving where you know, you'd come across a need or meet someone who was struggling and, or maybe there was somebody had, who had a fundraiser and you know, brought something to your attention. You're like, okay, this, this seems like a good thing and you'll give to it. And that's, that's a random act of giving. And those things are great. I'm all for those. I mean, you know, a couple, about a month, I don't know how long ago, a month and a half ago, we hit all of you up for an, uh, a spontaneous act of giving to help us put a new well in Ethiopia. And I love this, and, but those aren't what we're talking about. That's, that's giving. That's doing something. I, I'm talking about being generous. And, and here we put a definition on generous last week, and it's a clunky definition, but here it is. The premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. That is premeditated. That is, you've thought about it. You've made a plan. This isn't just a random, whatever you're feeling, um, whatever you're inspired to at the moment or guilted to at the moment. Um, Calculated, there's a specific amount. You've got it set out. It's not like, you know, it's going to be a surprise to you. Designated, you know exactly what you're going to be given to, the things that you've decided are important to you. Um, Emancipation, that is setting it free. That's just a strong word in and of itself, emancipation. Um, Financial assets, meaning, yes, in generosity, I could get off on being generous with your time, with your talents. No such luck for you. (laughs) We're talking about money. In this series. So, so here, here's, what, here's what you know. And you all know this from experience. Persuasive people, like I try to be from time to time, persuasive people can inspire you to give money, right? Persuasive people can guilt you into giving 
money. But here's the thing. If you're a generous person, you don't have to be sold, right? That's one of the things that that people kind of um, push back against when it comes to the whole money. They always feel like they're being sold something. Always feel like they're being pumped for more cash. Always feel like there's an underlying agenda of things that are going on and and that it's always there. But generous people, generous people who, who have done all of the things within our definition of generous, they can hear a pitch for a perfectly legitimate, noble thing. And they can look at that when it's done and they can say, no. And they can do it without guilt. See, some of us, we look at it and we're like, no, I wish I could, but I've handled myself in such a way that I don't have anything to give to it. Some of us are like, no. And we walk away trying to convince ourselves of good reasons why we didn't want to do it. But eh, we just didn't want to do it. But generous people, they can say no and not have any of that guilt because they've organized their life around generosity. So here's a shock statement that I'm gonna have to spend some time defending. So everybody get ready to get your pushbacks ready and uh, then let me try and and, and fix those. Most Americans, somewhere around the 90% mark, feel financial pressure. Maybe it's even more higher than that but at least 90% feel financial pressure, not because of a lack of money, but because they've never learned to be generous. Now, here's why I say that. The word most associated with money in our country is worry. Anybody ever been worried about your finances? Mm-hmm, Yeah. That is the word most associated in our country, worry. Will I have enough, right? Will I have enough to retire? Some of you are like, whoa, 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 you're way ahead of yourself. (laughs) We're not thinking about retiring. Let's back it up, Andy. Will I have enough to keep the lights on? Will I have enough to feed myself? Will I ever have enough to get rid of this terrible car? I mean, forget, will I ever have enough to buy a house, you know? Many of us were at that point. Will I ever actually have enough to buy a ring? Will I ever have enough? Can I get out of debt? Will I ever get out of debt? Will, will there ever be a time when this financial pressure is not just sitting on me and this weight that I'm carrying around? And so most Americans, and this is true no matter how much money they have, most Americans worry about money. And see, there's this thing in us that's like, oh, I worry about money because I don't have enough money. And if I had more money, then I wouldn't be worried about money. But when you look at the way people worry and act around their finances, that's just not true. That's not true. And so in response to that worry, here's this cyclical pattern that that Americans get into because we are an extremely consumeristic country. There's this pattern, it's like we, we worry about our money and are we gonna have enough? And in response to that worry, we go out and we spend. And we spend money that we don't have. And we get ourselves into debt. And then we think about the connection between those two things like, oh my goodness, I'm spending, but I don't have that. And so now I'm gonna worry and I'm worried I don't have enough. And now I've I've spent more and whatever. And we just get, and so we're like, oh, well, I gotta keep spending. And so we keep spending and, and it's an amazing the way that it works out 
within our country, the way our economy is set up and the way we think about it as people, we get into this cycle of just worry and spend and worry and spend and worry and spend and worry and spend. Because for that second when we spend, something feels right, something feels okay. There's that little bit of relief when you're walking out the store with whatever you have or you're eating whatever it is that you really wanted to eat. There's that minute of, ah, at least I have this. And that's what we do. But, but here's what, here's the problem with that. And we brushed against this a little bit last week is that what we do as Americans is we buy things that end up immediately losing value when we take possession of them. But because most of us do it with credit cards, the cost of those things immediately increase. And so th things become way more expensive and become worth way less as soon as we buy them. And then, and then we end up getting into that cycle and, and spending in that manner so that things cost way more than they really should and they're worth nothing. nothing. And, and we, we find ourselves in a position, so many people, where there is no financial margin within our life at all. And that's a stressful place to be, but it really gets worried that because what we, it's worse than that because what we worry about when we're worried about money is we're worried about, we're not worried about like immediate consumption so much. We're also worried about future consumption. And when we're freaking out about future consumption, like, am I gonna, am I gonna, am I gonna? We just end up consuming more in the moment. And so the thing that drives all of this is a mindset. And we've all been trained in this from young age within our culture, just in the way that money is handled. And it's the idea, there's this mindset behind our finances that all the things that come my way and all the money that comes my way is for me. And with it, I have to figure out how to take care of me. Now, let me ask you a question. Because some of you, just flat out don't believe me that more money won't make it better. So let me, let me ask a question. How much more money would you need to stop spending all of your money? So how much more money for you to stop spending everything comes to 10%? If you got a 10% raise, would you stop spending it all? Maybe not 15%, 20%? What if, what if you went to work tomorrow and your boss says, you know what? I don't know what it is about you, but there's something I like. We're giving you a 25% raise, right? 25%. Would you go home with a 25% raise and say, now for sure, I am not gonna spend all that I have. There's gonna be some extra left over. Because listen, hopefully, if, if life's tracking in a good direction, over time, you're gonna make more money and you're gonna have more coming in. But, but what happens is your income increases. Anybody know? <laughs> as your income increases, your spending increases, right? Some of you, when you were younger, you would look at you now at how much money you're making. And you're gonna be like, oh man, when I get there, I'm gonna have it made. And I'm gonna be able to just ride the easy train because that's gonna be a lot of money. Now I have no money. And now all of a sudden here you are in present you and you have that money and you're thinking, hmm, I need more money. It's just not working out. I'm struggling. I need more, I need more. And this isn't a money issue. 
See, that's where we get messed up. This isn't a money issue. It's a, it's a self-control. It's a priority. It's a mindset issue. Let, let, me ask, let me ask another question. How much more money would you need to make to completely stop using or at least carrying a balance on your credit cards? How much more would it take? 10, 15? How much more money would you need to make for you to get yourself completely out of debt and not go back into debt? 10%? I'll answer no. 15? Nope. Do any of you think you're going into work tomorrow and getting a 25% raise? No? No? Okay. I was hoping at least one so I could be like, where do you work? Are they hiring? <laughs> right? <laughs> no, we're not doing that. So consequently, this idea of it being, I don't have enough money, that's not really the issue. The issue is our habits with our money. So l- let me ask another question. I know you're enjoying my question so much. Here, here's, another, here's another one. How much more money do you think you would have to make for you to have financial margin in your life? That is for you to be at a point to where you are not consumed with thoughts about your finances. To where if something were to happen, you know, I can handle it. I've got that extra. I can, I can handle the unforeseen mechanical problems with my car, or things that go wrong with the house or a sudden trip I have to take because something happened. I can, I can handle that. I've got some money. How, how much more? And here's the thing. If you got 10% more right now, would 10% show up in your savings? Would 15 if you got 25% raised tomorrow, would 25% show up in your savings? The answer is no, because he, here, here's why. And for some of you, the answer may be yes. That was a pretty broad brush. I just, you know. for most of us, the answer is no. And the reason is, is because our current habits, the way that we handle our money will continue to stay the same no matter how much money we're handling. And so worry is not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. And Jesus told us this. Jesus said, look, to overcome your worry, right? To overcome your worry, you need to save your more money. Or more specifically, you need to not spend so much on yourself. He also said, he said, the reason that we have so much worry with our finances is because where is it that we place our trust? He said, we place our trust in the riches, not our trust in God who gives to us richly, right? And so this is a spiritual issue. Jesus Jesus calls it greed. And that's a hard one for us to read and be like, oh yeah, I'm greedy. Nobody thinks they're greedy. Everybody thinks they're pretty justified in the way that they handle their money. But when Jesus is talking about greed, he's talking about the idea or the assumption or the mindset that everything that comes our way is for us and that we're to spend it on us. But most of us, because we're so good at the random acts of giving, that we're able to do some giving here and it kind of relieves our conscience for a little while. Give a little over here. Ah, that makes me feel a little better. Give here. See, I'm a generous person. I can give around. It masks the idea that, mm, nope, 
you're pretty good at giving to some random things every once in a while, but overall, you're not a generous person. But here's the thing, greed and the way that Jesus is talking about it, the idea of keeping everything that comes your way for yourself, greed always, always, always leads to worry and discontentment. It is why there are so many rich people whose lives go off the rails because they are spending money on whatever they want and they can do anything they want. And they're just chasing that sense of contentment, that sense of fulfillment and money can't do it. And they end up just doing absolute ridiculous things that cause their lives to become destroyed. And I, and I mean, sometimes it's to the point to where it's just, it's so expected that it's just tragic. The number of athletes that have made hundreds of millions of dollars in their career. And now you see them and they're like, yeah, I'm bagging groceries at the Piggly Wiggly. Because money, it's not, it, this is not a money issue. This is, this, is a, this is a mindset issue. And most of our financial angst and most of our financial worry stems from wanting what it is that we cannot get. That is, it's not even from not having what we need. Some of us, like, there's things we need and we can't get. No, no, no. Our financial angst, it comes from, like, things that we want that we can't get. And so we stretch ourselves. And this is kind of the financial environment of our culture. But good news is there's a better way. There's a better way. Learning to be generous gets us out of this crazy cycle of spending money that we don't have and stressing over things that we shouldn't really be stressing about. Learning to be generous gets us out of the consumer mindset. And next week when you come, I, I'm going to give some really practical things next week to help us. But this week we've got to address mindset. And I want you to leave and hopefully this week think about your finances in a little bit of a different way because generous people think differently and it's not about consumption. So one day Jesus is walking along, he's got his disciples with him. And he, he, decides, he decides he's gonna tell a parable. And when Jesus tells a parable, these parables, these are made up stories to make a point. And so this story that Jesus tells never happened. Made up story, right? But he makes it a story up about a make-believe person so that he can make a point to the people who are real people. So he turns to those around him. And he says this in Luke chapter 12. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Pause. So even back thousands of years ago, the rich got richer, right? See, we, we angst about this in our current economic system and everything is going on. Oh, the rich are getting richer and the gap is bigger. And, and it is, but this isn't new. The rich have always gotten richer. And so the people who were listening to his story when he told, as soon as he said that, they all immediately, there may have been a rich person on the fringe. They're like, hmm, I don't know about this. But everybody with round him clothes were like, yeah. Okay, we like where this is starting. Rich getting richer, let's take them down. So this rich guy, he's got this bumper crop more than he knows what to do with. And so he, the rich guy thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, some of you are like, man, I'm not a farmer. And so not necessarily the crops. How great would it be to be so rich, right? 
and I've got nowhere to store it. And see, the problem is, is our idea of rich is different. Because a lot of us have been in the situation where we're like, oh, I got so much stuff, maybe we need to rent a storage unit, <laughs> right? I've got so much stuff, we need to finish the basement so we can do some things down there. I've got so much stuff, I need a bigger house. I've got so much stuff, what shall I do? My, my, my wife and I are in the process of buying a house. And we're, I, 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 we're, I don't know if we're gonna do it by fire or dragging it to the curb, but we're bound to determine to get rid of this so much stuff issue that creeps in on all of us. And, I, and I, I've never had that much stuff before. And I realize that it's been six years we've lived in the current house. I've never lived in one place that long. It's amazing how much stuff just accumulates when you don't move on a regular basis. It's embarrassing. I've been going through my shed. I've been doing all that. It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And it's stuff. And, so, and every single thing in there, when I was pulling it out, there was a time that I was convinced that I needed it. And I had to have it. Now, there are some things I need and I have to have. There's a whole lot of things that even though I don't consider myself a rich person, we're getting ready to move to the new house. I'm like, oh, I have so much stuff. We got to build a shed. <laughs> I've got so much stuff, right? And so our immediate response is to be like, oh, well, I'm going to be with the people who are angry at the rich people for being so rich. The reality of it is, is like, mm, most of us need to look in the mirror because the way we handle our, our life is more like that guy. So he says, I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. And you know what he did? He did exactly as he had always done, right? The more money you make, it doesn't change anything about the way you handle your money. You'll do what you've always done. And listen, the younger you are in life and the, the earlier you can learn this, the better off you're gonna be, right? The older you are, the more difficult it is to break the habit of consumption and the patterns that you've gotten yourself into with your finance or finances. But this guy, he did what he'd always done. And the fact that he got more didn't make him more generous. It just made him richer. He says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. So in other words, he was literally saying, I have more than I can possibly consume. So I'm going to make bigger barns to hold it so that I can consume it later. Consume. That's the mindset of the non-generous person. And I'll say to myself, which is interesting, this guy just kind of talking to himself, telling himself what he's gonna say to himself. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So in other words, he's like, I'm good. I'm getting older. I've got this amazing crop come in. I'm good, I'm done. And you know what's crazy? There is an amount in many of our heads, there's a dollar figure, that if we hit that amount, we would be like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do any more. I'm, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna drink. I'm gonna be merry. And I'm just gonna ride this train to the end and I'm good. Debt-free, worry-free, trouble-free, here I go. But the truth is, 
that even if you hit that dollar figure, you wouldn't be done because you would continue to do what it is that you've always done. So this guy is older and he thinks he's done, but he's not. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, you fool. And he wasn't a fool for being rich. There's nothing inherently wrong with having a lot of money. He was a fool for being confused, being confused about the fact that he assumed everything that he got and everything that came to him was for consumption, that it was consumable, disposable income for him. Now think about those words. Those are, those, those are words that we put on our current economic conversation. Consumable income, disposable income. Right, you hear financial analysts on TV sometimes. Oh, well, the Americans' disposable income is higher than it has been for the last eight years, disposable income. Imagine, imagine traveling to a developing country and bringing in cash form. Let's say in $10 bill, cash form. All of your money from the year, that's your disposable income. And showing up with that stack of cash in that country and saying, hey, this is the stuff I just dispose of. It doesn't matter. I just, whatever, it's not important. I can just spend it on anything, whatever. It's disposable, right? They would look at you like you had five heads. And really, we're so conditioned to it that it doesn't seem strange to us until you stop and you start to think about it. But he, he assumed, he assumed it was all for his consumption, which if you're all about consumption leads to discontentment every time. You fool, God said to him, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Uh-oh, you have lots of stuff, but you don't have lots of time. Uh-oh, <laughs> you thought that that stuff guaranteed longer time and guaranteed happiness. Mm, nope, you're coming to an end. You're coming to an end. And in the parable, God asked the guy a question. And in doing so, and asked this question, God, God asks us, the readers, this same question. So this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And the answer is somebody else is gonna get that guy's stuff. Somebody else, not because he was generous and he gave it to somebody else. Somebody else is gonna get it because he's dead, right? And when he's dead, there's no more of him having or doing anything with his stuff. And so essentially God's like, mm, no, 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 no. Your stuff isn't consumable and disposable. You are consumable and disposable. All of that, that he was gonna consume for himself, that he was storing up for himself. Nope, that went to somebody else. And then Jesus kind of steps back out of the parable and he kind of looks over the story to the people that he was talking to. And as we read it, he kind of looks over the story and looks to us, each and every one of us. And he says, this is how it will be. Future tense, future tense. Look, this that we just saw with this guy that went on, oh, wait, wait, Jesus, what exactly was it that we saw? What is this? This is total loss. 
This is you have nothing to show for everything that came your way because you handled it as a consumer and you hoarded it all for future consumption on yourself. That, 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 Jesus says, that is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So what does that mean, rich towards God? What kind of, what kind of phraseology is that? And when you look at the things that Jesus said and taught throughout his time on earth, he couldn't have been any clearer. Being rich towards God means not consuming everything that comes your way. Being rich towards God means being rich, being generous towards those who are important to God. That's what being rich towards God means. And listen, this is the mindset difference. Generous people don't assume everything that comes their way is for them. And this is the epicenter of this entire idea that people who have created this mindset, not of consumption, but of responsible distribution, more comes their way. And here's what's so fascinating about the teachings of Jesus. And he does this on so many different levels, but Jesus kind of defies our notion of ownership, right? Because there's this idea within us. It's like, yes, if you purchase something, if you buy something, if you work for something, you own it, it's yours. Nobody can take that away from you. But by appealing to our common sense, Jesus is like, "Mm, no, that idea of ownership, that's a myth. That's a myth. Because if it can be taken away, if it can be given to others, then it wasn't really yours. If somebody else is eventually going to possess it, it's not really yours. You're not really the owner. You can't control ultimately where any of that stuff ends up. You are just managing your stuff and your money temporarily. Temporarily. Now there are a handful of people who kind of, forced to learn this the hard way. But even if you've learned this the hard way, it's easy to forget the lesson. But there's the people who have, who have experienced the hard way that their ownership is a myth. You don't really own it. You're just managing it. And there's a lot of things that can bring that to the forefront. You can have a health issue and all of a sudden all the things that you owned and had and whatever, it's gone. It's just gone. You, you, could, you could suffer a natural disaster and in the small print, your insurance didn't cover whatever it happened to be in the natural design. Everything, just gone. Some of you may have gone through divorces and in the process, everything you had worked for, gone. You don't have it. Maybe as the economy went bad, some of you in careers that you had tried to build, all of a sudden in an instant, you walked out and it's gone. And how many people lost cars and houses and everything else that they thought they owned, but they didn't own it. It wasn't theirs. That's one way to learn. Another way you can learn this idea of, wow, you really have no um, say over where your stuff goes. If you've ever had a parent or a grandparent die and you've been to their house afterwards and you've got to sift through everything, right? And you're going through all their stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, they have so much stuff. And as you're going through, you're categorizing. Gonna try and sell this. Let's just take that straight to the curb. I might keep this, you know. And you're, you're just distributing it all. It's not theirs anymore. Never really was. It was just theirs temporarily. They didn't own it, right? So that's how generous people think every single day. 
That is, this stuff isn't mine. This money isn't mine. Everything that comes my way isn't mine. I'm just managing it temporarily. And Jesus says, look, it's all gonna be taken away. Why would you miss the opportunity? And he gets kind of logical with it. Why would you miss the opportunity? If it's all gonna go somewhere else anyway, why would you miss the opportunity to kind of have a say in where it goes? Why would you miss the opportunity to direct it into more productive areas, to direct your stuff or your money into areas that will help and make a difference as opposed to just leaving it up to whatever happens to you? Now, most of you, most of you trust me. Some of you don't know me well enough to trust me. Some of you trusted me till about 15 minutes ago. Now you're not so sure, right? But I'm not asking you to do anything. See, that's always the, you're waiting for the pitch because you've, you've, been, you've been conditioned. I'm gonna give you a sermon about money and then make you feel guilty and then, you know, somehow it's all gonna end up coming towards me. Yeah, no, I don't want you to do anything because this is about becoming something, Right? What I want you to do is I want you to imagine, this is, this is your assignment for this week. Imagine living life in this way where you, the stuff isn't yours. You're just managing it and you're not consumed with it and you don't consume it. But that every time you have an instance in which your natural thought is that whatever your money or your stuff or whatever is yours and you wanna kind of put the walls around it and hoard it and keep it to yourself, to kind of just step back and realize, no, wait, 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 wait. Money and stuff, that doesn't ease my worry. And all of my stuff and all of my money, it's gonna end up somewhere else. This is just in my hands temporarily. What would it feel like to live in such a way that you are free from the pressure and the burdens of looking at money as if it's all for you. Because God has created us. And not just created us, called us and actively pushes us to be more than consumers. And when we organize our life around generosity, not just random acts of giving, but a generous lifestyle, we'll become financially free. And if God then blesses you and starts adding some zeros on the end of some of your accounts, right? You will do what you have started to do when you didn't have a lot. And you will continue to be generous. And you will be amazed that when you approach it in that, in that direction, when you approach it from that mindset, that you'll find you've got all you need. Even though when you do the math and think about it the way everybody else thinks about it, it's like, mm, I'm not sure you can be more generous and then have all you need. Mm -hmm. But it does, it does. Or, or your other option is you can just keep approaching it the way you've always approached it. And those worries and those stresses that you feel over financing, you can continue to feel those things. But you don't wanna live that way. God doesn't want you to live that way. And so here, here's what I want you to do this week. Imagine, you don't have to do anything, but just imagine what would it be like if I wasn't trying to hoard and protect and consume and think everything that was coming my way was for me, what would it be like? 
If instead I was generous and I look to God, what do you want me to do? Because it's not really mine. I'm just handling it for a moment. So think about that this week and then come back next week and we're gonna end the series on money next week. It'll be done, only one more week, <sighs> right? And we'll get real practical about what this looks like in our daily lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, th this is, mm, these three weeks are my nightmare talking about money. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. But God, you have set a way for us to handle our finances. And you haven't said it because you want our money. You've said it because you know the ability money has to destroy and to control us. And that the only way to not become consumed by our money is to be generous with our money. God, this week, I pray that you point out instances to us and it may be things that, that we've never even thought about before and just habits that we have. God, trigger something in, my, in our mind. I, oh, I am handling this money as if all of it is for me to consume. God, bring it to our attention. Begin to convict us of the mindset that we've approached our finances with. And Lord, let us return next week eager to see some of the ways in which we can live a generous life. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being out. Please, please, please have the courage to endure money sermon one more week. So